Well, that was a game. Uh, that's one way to put it. <laughs> yeah, it's certainly, uh, I think it's good that you guys weren't able to watch most of it live. <laughs> that was uh, probably one of the worst games I've seen live in, uh, in a pretty long time. Although actually the Browns game last year, the first one, I watched that with Alec live. That was also a, a mess of a game, but for different reasons. <laughs> and that Carolina game. Oh yeah, that was also pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you guys don't know, the Ravens lost to the Browns at home, forty to twenty-five, yesterday. Overall, man, it. I gotta say the the issues we brought up with the defense the last two weeks, it just seemed to have gotten much much worse. I mean, you look at the guys, linebackers, secondary. <laughs> there were a few positives I think to take away from this game. Uh, everyone looked out of position, just playing slow. It it was it was a real shocker, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you guys remember going into the prediction section of for last week, I said this was a game that had me more nervous than I had I was looking at the schedule to s- before the season started. So I thought there was a possibility that the Browns could eke out a win, but I was not expecting this at all. I'm still in shock with how lifeless the Ravens looked yesterday. Props to the Browns, I guess, although I still think the Browns really didn't even play their best football. I just think the Ravens just had a ton of miscues and didn't really show up. It's going to be games like that, and hopefully the Ravens can sort this out, and it'll be a different story in December. Right. I mean, I'll give the Browns credit, a lot of credit actually for uh, their defensive coordinator and the guys that they have uh, on the back end because, I mean, they had a lot of injuries going into this game as well. I mean, you know, yeah, we might be out Jimmy Smith and Tavon Young in our secondary, but they're also out two of their top players. So actually three of their top players, Denzel Ward, Morgan Burnett, and um, Greedy Williams, their new rookie cornerback that they picked up. And, you know, they seem to hold all of our receivers pretty much in check the whole game at least on the defensive side like major major props for them to be able to hold our offense but yeah on on the on the Browns offense I mean you know you got to give kudos to those guys they put up a lot of stats especially in the second half especially in the second half but yeah man our our defense just uh, I mean they had no case start but it just things just went from bad to worse that second half was just some of the most sloppy football i've i've seen from the ravens in a very long time yeah they started off getting really nice pressure that first drive interrupting those rhythm throws that baker mayfield excels at and i honestly thought everything looked a-okay for actually most of the first half granted it wasn't great but it wasn't too horrid. There was a chunk play here and chunk play there. It was the second half where we really started getting gashed right. uh, at a serious level. The thing is, it's those chunk plays that were absolutely brutal. Overrunning the play, having Chubb put on the blasters and go all the way 88 yards. That hurts, right? Having Ricky Seals-Jones ascend into greatness for a week. That hurts. Like... <laughs> You can't have that. And Landry, before he got knocked out, an insane amount of yards. It's hard to watch those huge chunk plays. Right. And I you, I remember we talked about this like two years ago, I think, when the defense was a little less capable. It wasn't like they were horrible all the time. It was just when they stunk, they really stunk. 
And that was uh, kind of what we saw yesterday. Right. I mean, you know, you bring up uh, you bring up Landry. I mean, he absolutely shredded our secondary. Eight receptions, 167 yards. And I mean, if if he <laughs> ran a little bit faster 40 time, I mean, he would have had his own touchdown or two from the way he was, you know, catching the ball and running through our secondary. I mean, <laughs> the one play he literally tripped up himself <laughs> two times. Yeah, right. if, if he would have had his footing and just ran a little bit faster, he would have outran everybody in our secondary. So he was just having quite a day against against the defense. The defense has been really overrunning plays, just being kind of not disciplined. And occasionally that looks cool. Like, for instance, there was a couple plays where Kenny Young was like in the backfield before the play even started and like awesome but other times like in the backfield before the play even started but they're like actually the play was going this way so now we're going to run past you <laughs> right kenny kenny young <laughs> in this game in particular kenny young is playing sometimes how i play madden <laughs> the middle <laughs> right. linebacker you know every play i want to go and like you know tackle for loss and sack the quarterback in the backfield but you know a lot of times the play just goes right over your head and just you know completely whiff on that play you know uh, <laughs> Kenny, you know, Kenny Young, Peanut, Peanut had probably one of the worst games I've seen from him as a pro. He, same thing of just being in the wrong position, over committing to the run and totally getting beat on the play action. Jefferson also had some poor plays in there. Bowser had the, the run that Chubb had, the 88 yard touchdown. Peanut and Bowser completely, completely over pursued. Chubb just cut right back up and, and ran by both of them. It was just, ah, man, I, I don't know what's up with our guys. I mean, if <laughs> everyone was having a bad day or, or what, but I mean, man, how do you like what <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Maybe they're trying too hard. Like I was, I they're was all trying to, to make say. the play and they just need to like chill, be more fundamental. Yeah, I mean, there is there's obviously a benefit of playing aggressive and you know, given that full motor, but it's got to still be disciplined or else you're going to the teams are going to figure out how to get you in a situation where you're going to over pursue, like Chris said. And I think that that's just kind of the style of defense that a player like Nick Chubb thrives on. I mean, he's not super shifty, but kind of has like that, that stutter step kind of slow step to go and then transitions to a burst kind of like a Le'Veon Bell. Right. And that type of style, an aggressive defense is going to fall prey to because that's the runners waiting to react to see what the defense is doing before they hit the hole. So maybe that the Ray Givens game plan they had would have worked against different offenses, but wasn't the right one against Chubb. Do you guys think that this is a game where we would have really benefited from keeping a guy like CJ Mosley or Eric Weddle? <laughs> so I've mm. heard that from a couple people already, but <laughs> if Eric Weddle's defense uh, actually gave up more points than <laughs> that's fair. Baltimore that's defense. that's that's, ve- arguably, that's very fair. Yeah, and arguably the Rams defense, you can make an argument that they have slightly more talent, and that was also a home game. But I do understand what I do also get what you're saying. Like the biggest problem with this defense, well, there's two big problems. Number one, they're not tackling, and number two is the miscommunications on in coverage most of which is probably a result of having Earl Thomas who's still learning the defense you know be a defensive captain back there and 
I don't think he, it seems like he doesn't have a full grasp of the playbook yet. I could be wrong about that. But yeah, some of these, there's definitely some players, they're out there and, you know, Kenny Young got lost when the Browns did that crossing route on the first touchdown. And we saw Maurice Canada last week just totally get lost on that long touchdown pass. So yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think I think just yesterday was just it, there's a lot of young players on this defense with potential like Kenny Young and Chris Board and they're just not quite there yet and teams know how to how to attack their weaknesses at this point. Yeah, to make comments on those two players, Kenny Young and Canada. Young he was trying to cover OBJ. That's what happened on that crossing pattern. He he went and doubled up on OBJ and like completely Stop paying attention to Seals Jones walking the other way. And I'll say walking because he kind of looks slow. <laughs> I guess he didn't have to be too fast when there's no one there. But I was like, man, like he just casually walked the other way and walked right into the end zone. And then Kennedy, actually, I thought he looked decent in this game. I mean, obviously he had the interception, but he also was breaking up a few passes and, and making some plays. So maybe I just missed when he got burned. But honestly, he looked maybe all right. Yeah, I was going to say, as far as, you know, bright spots on the defense, one, uh, we definitely have to give a shout out to Marlon Humphrey for oh yeah, completely, almost completely shutting down OBJ for, for most of the game. You know, I know we'll probably talk about the, uh, some of the, after the whistle things that happened, but I mean, as far as on the field, like the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, OBJ had, had two receptions and the only reason that he had two was because one of them, we declined a penalty on that play. So really it's just one reception. And that was at the very end of the game, completely meaningless. So Marlon, by all means, best player on the defense. You did not have to worry about him. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Alec. I think Kennedy had a pretty good game. I mean, I think the the really surprising thing to me about this game is I haven't seen as many good things from Carr this year, and I'm not exactly sure why. I, I really wanted to mm-hmm. kind of focus that in on, on watching some of the game film. But I know we've been moving him around, I think, a lot more than we have last year. And I think it's kind of hard to, at least for me, it's kind of hard to figure out whether, you know, we're seeing some decline from him or it's just we're seeing so many more holes in the linebacking core. Um, But yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, like you said, I mean, Kennedy had some pretty good deflections, the INT for sure. He, it definitely looks like to me that he wants to take that nickel spot. We just weren't seeing that from, from Averitt. Or Cyrus Jones. Or Cyrus Jones for that matter. So I don't know where the article is off the top of my head, but I remember reading something in the offseason that was highlighting Brandon Carr's performance and comparing his performance in games when Tavon Young was on the field and when he was off. And the stats they were highlighting, Brandon Carr, for whatever reason, the way we we were lining him up and Tavon when they were both on the field, his performance was a lot better than when Tavon Young was off the field. Really? Yeah. So, like I said, I wish I could find that article right now because it would add some more credibility to this point I'm making. <laughs> but it it may just be that we were able to mask some of Carr's shortcomings with having him share a, a coverage and a portion of the field with Tavon. And now that, that Young's out for the season, obviously... You know, like you said, they're moving him around. They're trying to figure out, okay, what's a new role, a new pairing to to maximize this guy's strengths. And there's some seems to be like there's some growing pains with that. Well, I hope we find that article because I'd be really interested to read that. Obviously, we knew 
having Tavon out for the season pretty early on was going to be a blow. But it's definitely, I think, been a bigger blow than we thought, especially because we thought we had such deep, you know, cornerback depth. But, you know, losing him for the season and then now having Jimmy out for a couple games in the beginning, I think it's really, really starting to show that we're getting a little thin at the position now. I was thinking the same thing about Carr, noticing that he had fallen off a bit this year. And I kind of attributed it to age being 33 years old at this point. You know, that's pretty old for a footballer, particularly at a high twitch position like cornerback. But it's interesting to mention the Tavon Young pairing and that article. Yeah, I think the other thing to talk about, too, kind of getting back to what we brought up before, is the, the communication issues on defense. And that's where one thing where I, I think losing uh, C.J. Mosley and, and Weddle is in particular is those guys were the ones calling the defense. You know, and it sounds like that Peanut kind of took that role on the first couple games, and it seemed like the coaching staff had told, had noticed that he was taking on a little bit too much, so they switched play-calling uh, duties to Jefferson. I like Jefferson as a leader. He's been a, a, a I'd say, an up-and-down football player since he's been on the Ravens, but, you know, I, I think that he can be a good player in the right position, but mm-hmm. I... Right now, we we need we definitely need someone to step up in that role to to really take on the leadership and communication, because I mean right now it's just we have too many young players doing the wrong things or, or doing too much, and we've really got to get some sort of of semblance uh, on the field because, yeah, I mean we can't we can't we cannot be putting this product on the field every game. I mean this is just a a complete letdown to be honest. Yeah, it's totally unacceptable. And when I saw that news about TJ having the mic instead of Peanut, I was like, why? Like, <laughs> I feel like Tony Jefferson's been a total bust since he got here. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I hate talking bad about these guys. They're professionals. They're way better than I'll ever be. But, like, I don't know. I haven't seen it at all from, from Jefferson in his time here. And when I heard that he had it, I was like, if I had to pick someone, if we're going to do it this way, you know, change it up, give it to the veteran guy. Give it to Earl Thomas. I was really surprised by that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to say two things on that. One, I mean, definitely like the the point on TJ is valid. Like, I definitely get it. I think he can be better, but yeah, he's definitely <laughs> not shown much of the season. I think a lot of people have been picking on him, particularly the last couple games. But um, it worries me, too, that this is not the first time that this has happened with Peanut. In the Bengals game, was it last year or the year before that, CJ gets hurt, Peanut takes over play calling duties. We get gashed for over 200 yards and like four touchdowns and the next game it was like nope okay Weddle's doing it and I mean now this has happened again with Peanut so he's a good player when he's not at that mic spot but he really just is a totally different player when he's the one calling the shots and that makes me a little worried I mean it makes me feel like his football IQ isn't as high as we you know thought it would be I feel like that what all that tells me is that you know we (laughs) probably needed to have another plan to to replace cj because he was the guy who you know had the football iq had the experience he'd been in that position so long and i'm just worried that we you know we've seen all that we have from peanut and he just is not going to be able to take that next step but i mean who knows you don't want to overreact too much but you know there's a lot of football left to play but it's since it's not the first time it's happened it's definitely definitely worrying yeah, with a lock now on the IR, it looks like the LJ Fort experience is starting. I don't know what to take of that since the Eagles caught him earlier this season. So I don't know if that's going to be a panacea for our squad. Unlikely. 
I haven't heard too much about this guy. The I think the only thing that I saw recently is that um, there's something to do with him and the draft pick that the Steelers will get from the Jets it has something to do with that. So presumably, like, I don't know, with, with LJ being released, it could decrease the value of the pick that the Steelers get. I mean, which is awesome. So <laughs> at least there's that. <laughs> I'm seeing this guy's uh, Wikipedia page right here. He's uh, He's been around the NFL, apparently undrafted free agent of the Cleveland Browns back in 2012. And since then, he's spent limited stints on Denver, Seattle, Cincinnati, New England, Pittsburgh, Philly, and now us. So it sounds like this guy is, is purely a depth guy. I mean, at this stage in, in the season, if you're picking someone who's up who's just got released, I mean, they're either a guy who's struggling to to prove that they're an NFL talent or they're Antonio Brown at this point. So, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, I'll say the, the one other thing we should probably talk about before we get to the offense is um, Brandon Williams. Let's face it, man. I mean, we really could have used him today or yesterday rather. I mean, <laughs> props to Nick Chubb, man. He played a great game. But uh, you have to think that the game would have turned out a little bit differently if we had Brandon Williams in there. I mean, 20 carries, 165 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, yep. <laughs> Brandon Williams, I feel like, is gets picked on a bit by the fan base because he's not a three-down lineman. He's never going to blitz the quarterback and be a, a, you know, a threat to sack the quarterback. And he's got that contract. But... As unspectacular and unassuming as his game is, you know, the Ravens' run scheme works a heck of a lot better on run defense when he's in there than when he's not. I mean, he was out some games in 2017 as well, and the Ravens got gashed then. And then all it took for the Ravens' run defense to get back to what they were doing was just for Brandon Williams to get healthy and and insert himself back in the lineup. So hopefully he can get better. I don't know if that would have been... The difference, maybe Chubb scores two touchdowns instead of three. I don't know. <laughs> I would like to hope that Williams being in there would have made the game closer than it ended up being. Did you guys see that Earl Thomas and Brandon Williams got into it a bit after the game? Really? Oh, no, I didn't see that. Yeah, that's uh, apparently something that leaked out. Apparently, after the game, Earl Thomas apparently confronted Brandon Williams in the in the training room about him not playing, and they had to be broken up. Really? That's what I heard on the on uh, the radio stations this morning. Man, that's uh, that's a bit worrying. I don't like that. It's a little early in the season for that. Yep, yeah. If you look, I'm looking at an article on Pro Football Talk right here. That's saying the same thing. <sighs> yeah, I don't know about that. I picking on a guy who's injured. That's not good. That's definitely not good. Yeah, especially considering Earl Thomas. I mean, I. I don't think he's been doing as I think he's been a little bit of a scapegoat by some some fans because he hasn't made a huge impact, but I also don't think he's been the biggest problem on this defense. But still, I think the guy needs to produce a bit more and and lead by example a bit more before he's as vocal as he's been over the past few weeks. I feel like he's doing I feel like his talking is bigger than his play at the current moment. 
I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think he's playing better than we, than we think. I think the, the problems that we're seeing, I mean, a, a lot, you know, a lot of what we just talked about with the linebackers, I mean, with some of the other secondary, trying to figure out who's going to be on the nickel spot, communication issues. Earl's been okay. But uh, yeah, I mean, the last, I think in the last two games, he's uh, had some comments with the media, you know, about, you know, how, oh yeah, how we'll be better, or, you know, picking on whoever and that sort of stuff, you know, that just, you know, when you're losing, that just doesn't look good. That's not the Raven way. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. It's, it's, that sounds like stuff out of Seattle, you know, like we heard of those kind of talks. I heard out of the Seattle kind of area. That's not how Baltimore ever is. They're usually a United front. So that kind of is disappointing to hear. Yeah, definitely. Definitely for, you know, we've talked at, at length, I think, at the uh, in the episode about John Harbaugh, about the type of culture that he wants to build. He's going to, Earl Thomas is going to have a uh, stern talking to, I think, from Harbs. So let's transition to the offense, which I think looked a little bit better. <laughs> just Just a touch. <sighs> Debatable. I mean, I get what you're saying, and maybe I'm being a little too harsh here, but this is a defense that like Chris was saying earlier was missing three starters and Lamar, in my opinion, had his worst game of the season. Now I know that he's, he had three touchdowns and 200 some yards, but a good chunk of that, I think it was like 94 yards. And, and obviously that last touchdown came in garbage time. You take that away. Then he's only got 151, two touchdowns to two picks I I just was expecting a little more from our offense against a beat-up defense. I feel like with how quickly the Browns were scoring that what we've seen of this offense against Miami and Arizona and even against Can- this Kansas City in the second half, they should have been able to keep up pace and be able to make up for the fact that the defense put them in that undesirable situation that's just my opinion I still think this offense is capable of doing that later on in the season if they do get back in that situation but I want to see more from them if we're if the defense is beat as bad as they are in future games absolutely they definitely they could have kept pace and it was disappointing that they didn't particularly because we could see the ways that it would have worked out. There's just a couple plays if executed better would have resulted in huge deltas, in my opinion, on the scoreboard. Right. I will say that the rushing game was solid, 173 yards. That was excellent. Mark Ingram looked great, 12 carries, 71 yards. But the passing game, I feel like there's no dependable target right now. Like It looked like at the start, Hollywood and Mark Andrews would be hit a lot and they've definitely been out of the game plan a little bit more the last two weeks i don't know if it's game plan or if it's just the defense is adjusting and it's not bad to have a lot of ancillary weapons like a lot of people were involved in the production this week but we weren't able to finish drives that was the hard part and we had drops mark andrews with the drop and hollywood had that uh drop those would have been two scores potentially that we've kind of lost it hurts. Definitely. I think the the largest surprise for me is that we didn't lean on the run game more throughout the game. 
I mean, like you said, Alec, Ingram, 12 carries, 71 yards. That's 5.9 yards a carry. I mean, that's really good. Lamar Jackson, nine carries, 66 yards. I mean, we know basically anytime he takes off for the sidelines, he's picking up eight, eight to 10 yards. Even Gus Edwards, man, six carries, 28 yards. That's almost five yards a carry. I mean, we were pulling off big runs every time we, we touched it. I mean, the Browns weren't stuffing us that much. But it, it felt like to me that we were trying to force the pass, probably because of the Browns' injury issues, trying to pick on their secondary a little bit, and it just wasn't working. Guys weren't getting open. You know, we dropped a couple passes, like we've said. You know, I felt like we could have won, run, leaned on the run game a little bit more than we did, and that you know may have helped things uh, a little bit better. I mean, let's be honest. We didn't. I know we want to take the shots when they're there. I mean, obviously, you know, we want to take advantage of of Marquise Brown's speed on the outside, but take what the defense gives you, man. I mean, if the pass game isn't there, then okay, lean on the run game a little bit more, you know, have some uh, underneath throws or something. I mean, I know we we tried some hitches here and there. We didn't really try that many screens, but we we tried them a little bit, but I mean, it it just wasn't enough to get us those first downs and and, and to build consistency on offense. And that's what we were really missing, like you guys said. Yeah, you bring up a good point, Chris, that we were probably taking uh, so pass-heavy in the first half to take advantage of the fact that the Browns' secondary was depleted. But it was surprising that in the second half, you're only down three. And despite the fact that last week, I know it was partially because of, of the weather, but you made the Ravens made the halftime adjustment to go run heavy to start the third quarter. And we saw they had success with that. It was surprising to see them not make that same change this week. It's weird how we keep saying that. Lean on the run game. It's all working out. The offense is doing better for you. And then each week it's like, but now we're going to be more than that. We're going to do all these other things. And I think it's cool that you can pull off those other things, but like, it's really cool when you win and you put some points on the board. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think it's just that, you know, Baltimore, we're so starved to have the quarterback because we've never had it. So that anytime we get a quarterback that's even like has somewhat good, like a, a Flacco or, or a Lamar, we're just like, we got to have him pass all the time because like other teams do this and it's awesome and we never do it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, instead of just realizing, okay, it's fine if we set up the pass with the run, have our quarterback maybe only throw 20 to 25 times a game instead of 30 to 35, but be way more efficient on those 20 to 25 passes. I don't know. I mean, some of it is also supposedly these coaches have a better feel of what the, the offense needs to do, what that balance needs to be. I never play a down of football in my life, right? I play flag football with Chris. I never play a down of real football in my life. So I really probably shouldn't talk, <laughs> but you're going to do it observations. anyway. Yeah, but it's these observations though, right? Like you can't deny what we're seeing that, <laughs> I was talking to your dad about it, uh, Peter, at the festival, and he was like, I don't know why they run the ball so much. They need to pass. And I was like, I don't know why they don't run more. <laughs> it works. <laughs> so, like, right, exactly. I, I was like, <laughs> like, I'm all about scoring points and winning football games. Like, I don't care how you do it. <laughs> Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, and our quarterback who also runs are all averaging over four yards a carry. And the, and the quarterback and the starting running back are both averaging over five yards a carry. Why aren't you running them more? <laughs> I mean, Lamar's getting his touches, but I feel like both Gus and Mark could get five more touches a game. 
Yeah, and that would be a good balance. You know, even I think there was a there was one play pretty early on. I think it was Olivier Vernon had pushed past Bozeman on a play action pass and, and sack Lamar. And you know, it was that kind of thing of like, you know, if we had called that play in the second quarter or something, I mean you would just I would think that that would have been a little bit more successful. It felt to me like that was a little early. The the big part of the Browns that was going to scare everybody was their front four. I mean, no question about that. I mean, Miles Garrett, those guys on on the front end are, are just really, really good group. So, I mean, you don't want to you don't want to risk our quarterback by you know trying to throw it too much or to throw it into inopportune moments. And I, you know, that was just one where I just felt like putting the run a little bit more, wearing them down, and you know, starting to get them tired. That's when you want to take your shots. Because then you have a little bit more time for Lamar to throw. You have a little bit more time for those deep passes to open up. But I mean, several plays, man, it just, you could see Lamar was struggling because he just didn't have the time to to let those passes develop. And there was definitely some more I think we could have done on the play calling to get more of those opportunities. And I think that also there, you know, maybe moving to a little bit of different topic, I think there were some other things that I thought were kind of interesting. So one, I'm looking at the snap counts here. You know, we definitely saw a decrease in in snaps for Mark Andrews, and rightfully so. I mean, the guy's going through a little bit of foot injury right now, so you don't want him to get hurt anymore. So it makes sense to to drop those numbers. I think what was really surprising for me is that we didn't see an increase for Hayden Hurst, even though we've been saying for the last week or so that, hey, this guy's getting open. Like, we should put him in a little bit more and see what he can do. No, we saw more uh, snaps for our guy, Nick Boyle. And, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But, I mean, again, near the end of the game, I mean, Hurst took over for a drive. I mean, he had, like, three catches in a row. He was just, like, completely gassing. The only yeah. reason he came off is because he ran out of juice. <laughs> I mean, I want to see that guy get some passes. Yeah, that catch he made during that garbage time. I mean, it was garbage time, but that was a catch. They made. I forget who he made it over, but that was a really good play there. He looks good. He looks really good. I'm happy to see him getting those touches. There's no doubt in my mind that Hurst, if fed the ball more, would deliver for us. But it's one of those things where there's only one football. There's a lot of guys we say that about. It's only one football, but all but man, there's all these players who who were given chance for the football yesterday who kept turning it over, <laughs> turning it over, just you know, failing to make a play. A handful of those. But it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, we did have uh, three guys with touchdowns. Boykin heard the pod. <laughs> Boykin. Although, <laughs> man, I love, I, I do like Boykin a lot. But I got to say, man, I uh, <laughs> I was kind of scratching my head on his touchdown because he, <laughs> you guys know the meme of the guy sliding down the slide, hitting himself on the edge and then falling into the pool and then says, nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That touchdown felt like that meme for me because I just saw the play and it looked like I think it was him and Snead or him and Roberts both had just shallow crossing routes. And I don't I'm not sure if it was like a supposed to be like some sort of you know route combinations or something but it just looked like Boykin was supposed to be running a little bit deeper in but he ended up just kind of following behind Snead but awkwardly so. It just didn't seem like that was actually the route he needed to run. And then he ends up in Hollywood that was there. Maybe it was Hollywood. I saw that too. 
Yeah, and it he was just awkward, sort of ends right? up in the middle of the field and then sees Lamar scramble <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm open. And then he gets in and I'm like, what? How'd that happen? Well, he caught the ball and he can immediately high five Hollywood. That's how I said that. Because oh. <laughs> he was like right there. <laughs> That's yeah. how I saw it. I was making the comment that... Um, that Justice Hill was in on that play too, because I saw those two are like basically right there at the catch. And I was like, "Oh, all our young guys are all on the field at the same time." I mean, a touchdown's a touchdown, and we needed them certainly. I mean, we could have used two more; that would have been great. But <laughs> I just had to laugh. I was just like, "Man, <laughs> that's uh, quite a way, quite a way to get a touchdown for this game." I want to talk about two other pieces at least before we close out this bit. But you know, everyone's talking about Ingram's fumble. I don't think I really fault Ingram for that. It looked like he was carrying the ball well to me and just got hit perfectly. That happens from time to time. And the decision to run on third and six near the end there, I've seen a lot of trolls on Twitter being like, what's going on with that? Analytics, huh? <laughs> you know? And I will say that those play calls did make me scratch my head when you're on your own 30-yard line and you're like, here's what we're going to do, guys. Uh, particularly with a game kind of at the line. What did you guys think about those things? Oh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, that third and six was when we were at least two scores out in the fourth quarter. So I think we knew that we were going to have to go for fourth down pretty much from that point forward, right? Agreed. We're kind of sitting here talking about how the run game was so great. I mean, we're, some of our players were averaging over five yards of carry, third and six. I mean, it's not that far-fetched, I think. Uh, but I mean, then again, we probably should have been running the ball more early in the game. So we wouldn't have been in that position. Okay. No. So I'm, I think it's interesting you say that because I actually kind of felt the same way where I was like, well, I always say stick to the game plan, stick to the game plan. And if it's working for you, like doesn't matter because there should be enough time to score twice. I think we had like seven or eight minutes on the clock at that point. And I don't know if it was worth giving that kind of field position. I think actually we we're only maybe down by one touchdown at that point. Mm. Or maybe it was two. Oh, it was two, and then they kicked the field goal, and we were down by even more. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, if our defense had been playing what better, I would have said, you know, you could, I mean, you could throw it, and then if, you know, worst case scenario, you kick it to them and let the defense get the ball back. But at that point, we had seen enough from our defense, man. I mean, we <laughs> if we got the ball back, they were going to score again. So... I think it was fine that we went that we were just trying to get some yards to go for fourth down because at that point in the game, I mean, we had to go for it. I I, I don't really disagree at that point. You know, I mean, maybe we uh, shouldn't have lent Justice Hill in on that play. I mean, maybe we should have put Ingram back in or, or Edwards for that matter. But mm-hmm. I. I'm not going to look at that play and say like, oh, if we had called that one differently, then the game would outcome of the game would have changed. I, I I don't think it would have changed at that point. At that point, I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the game and and see if you know, maybe we get a touchdown or something to kind of save face. But I I really didn't have confidence in the Ravens to pull that game away. So in the grand scheme of things, it, it doesn't really matter to me. Totally get that. And yeah, you're right about justice. You know. I would love to see him succeed, but he was getting blown up in pass protection just constantly. It actually led to one of the interceptions, and yeah, it was not a good look. Missing assignments, very bad. Not ready. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's been running fairly well. I mean, I can't fault him on that. Definitely showing a lot of speed. 
um, some moves uh, on the inside runs too, um, and the outside runs. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you said it, man. I mean, he looks really, <laughs> really raw on pass protection, and you could see that toward the end when the Browns were sending some extra blitzers. And I mean, you could see it. We had some of our first turnovers of the season. It's sad too, because I, you know, I feel bad for Lamar, man. I mean, he, he didn't have his best day, but he was trying to put the team on his back, and you know, it just wasn't enough today. Let's talk about that real quick. So, front of the pod, Antonio Brown, <laughs> he was making comments on Twitter saying that it was a crime that Baker was drafted over Lamar. I think that's quite interesting. Not because I wouldn't call it as much as a crime. But at this point, I'd rather have Lamar. And before the show, I was talking to the guys and I was saying, they were like, oh, Baker had a better game than Lamar. And I actually disagree with that because Baker was able to throw balls and have his players not get tackled. He was really good at that. Um, He was really good. Like, I don't know. I feel like he wasn't, he didn't do anything spectacular. He didn't make that team win. I think we kind of beat ourselves this week. Whereas Lamar, on the other hand, had his guys dropping the ball, broken plays where no other quarterback in the league, literally no other player in the league, would have gotten out alive. He gets out alive and you know runs for 18 yards. I mean, every day of the week, I'm taking Lamar over Baker, personally. And I think he had a better game on Sunday. I just think that everyone else around him, or the defense, wasn't as you know porous. Uh, that's my take. I mean, I I agree with you in the statement that right now of the Lamar has had a, a slightly better overall career than Baker. I still think that Lamar played one of his worst games as a pro on Sunday and now granted, he had a he had a tougher defense to play against than Baker did. <laughs> in that game. And you're right, he was let down by some drops, but he also took some bad sacks in my opinion. He made a couple careless interceptions. I, there was no reason to throw to Mark Andrews in triple coverage there. I understand why it was done because of what was the state of the game was. And like we said, the Cleveland was missing three of their top starters in the secondary. I I agree Lamar's better right now, but I think, and I don't think Baker played his best football either, but I just, I still think he played better on Sunday. Sorry, Lamar. You're still the better quarterback, but not on Sunday. You weren't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, Baker played, he, he played much better than he has this season. And that was good enough to win this game. And I mean, that's it period. But if he's going to shit talk more about how he's like the greatest quarterback of, you know, of the league or something you know i mean then we can talk about it but i you know i think he was quoted at saying something like that of you know he was like hey at the end of the day you know we won the game and i mean and the stats show it man i mean you know 20 for 30 342 that's a pretty good game i mean i know landry kind of was just running free throughout the secondary but i mean he made the throws that he needed to make 
you know, I will say, you know, I said this last week, and I think we've been saying it a lot, you know, for the last couple episodes too. I mean, Lamar has exceeded expectations this year. So, I mean, it's not like I'm I'm trying to diss on Lamar at all. I mean, he was putting the team on his back. He was doing the best he could. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the best game he's had, but I don't think it'll be the worst game he's ever had. And looking forward, man, the future's bright. You know, we should be really happy with where Lamar is this season because I don't think a lot of Ravens fans expected him to be where he's at today based on what we've seen last season. And, you know, that's all we can hope for. Well put. All right. So it was a rougher week, rougher loss this week than last week. You know, we're kind of talking about how after last week's game, you know, we felt good about how the Ravens played against Kansas City this week, not as much after the loss, but we still want to give out some moral victory awards because we liked that segment last week and we want to, you know, still look at some positives. So I gave out all the moral victory awards last week because I'm the one who came up with the category and didn't share it until five minutes before we started recording. <laughs> so Chris and Alec, I'm going to let you guys both give out some moral victory awards and then I'll, I'll add any that you missed that I have. So I have five of them here. But I will only pick two to start. And that would be the last man standing award for Marlon Humphrey, the only person that played defense. (laughs) (laughs) And can't touch this to Lamar. Like I was saying, he came to a full stop, let the tackler pass by and easily got the first down and just being super elusive and making something out of nothing on more occasions than one. That's pretty great. I remember that play too. (laughs) I think it was Miles Garrett came up after him and he was just like, man, how did you do that? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chris. So yeah, my, uh, my moral victory award is going to be garbage time warrior Hayden Hurst at the end of the game, man, he took over that one drive. It looked like Megatron 2.0. Yeah. I had my Basura champion being Willie Sneed, but that is absolutely a great pick. Peter, what do you think? Oh, I completely agree. Uh, It's a shame that Hurst had that one, one catch taken away by the by the penalty because that was very impressive but completely agree with that i have two other awards in addition to what you guys said the is still a boss award goes to mr justin tucker you know we haven't really talked about tucker at all this year because the ravens offense hasn't been relying on field goals as heavily in the past but tucker's still doing what he's doing four games of the season he hasn't missed a kick as expected, but still, you know, don't want to take that guy for granted. And then lastly, to wrap up this session, I have the stepped up after Ravens recap call them out award to our good buddy, Mr. Miles Boykin. You know, last week on the pod, I was saying maybe the Ravens might want to look into to seeing if Jaleel Scott can give this offense, you know, a red zone target that you know, or more reliable hands. But Boykin stepped up on Sunday, caught all three of his targets, had that touchdown. So congrats, Miles Boykin. Hope for more coming up in the upcoming games. And with that, we're going to wrap up the show. We hope not to have any moral victory awards. No more moral victory awards for at least the next month. (laughs) And yeah, we'll go and take on Pittsburgh. And the next episode, we'll be talking about our predictions for the game and the next quarter of the season, just kind of looking ahead and seeing what has to happen here for the Ravens to continue a hopefully successful 2019 run. But with that, 
end the show and say thanks for listening. Tell a friend, and we'll catch you at the next episode. Piss, we piss right now. Nobody hit. I never heard nobody like Luton. You know, we rather you know come out on top, but we didn't. We fell short. Uh, get better next week. Come out with a victory.